Media. How you doing, everybody? The Chet Comic Podcast Network. Welcome to Sports Course, a podcast where Chicago sports broadcasting pioneer and a national legal expert get into the legal goings of sports. And now your host, Chet Comic and Lester Munson. Sports Court time again. How you doing, everybody? Sports Court brought to you by American Taxi, Chicago's premier suburban taxi service. I'm Chad Kapik, joined by our good friend Lester Munson, the uh, primetime legal analyst for ESPN. Lester, the National Football League is not conditioned to losing. They recently uh, got their heads knocked off 9 nothing, in front of the Supreme Court. Tell us what transpired and where you think this might be going with its next phase. This is a case called American Needle versus National Football League, and in this case, the National Football League went out on a limb in a very high-risk maneuver. The league had already won the case. They had destroyed American Needle Company. American Needle asked the Supreme Court to come in and review the case, and incredibly, in, an, in, a, in a something that never happens in the world of lawyers and judges, the NFL said, we haven't won enough yet. We want to win more, and they joined in the petition for the Supreme Court to take a look, and then they asked the Supreme Court to turn the world of sports upside down by leaving, by making the National Football League immune to all antitrust cases. It would have hurt players, coaches, and fans in major ways. The players' unions were up in arms over this, and everybody has to intervene in the case, all the unions. Then... The Supreme Court incredibly rejects the NFL's idea, nine to nothing. Very few people lose cases in the Supreme Court, nine to nothing. But now the NFL has a humiliating defeat on its hands. The National Football League has always been known for uh, several characteristics uh, it doesn't like to talk about. One, of course, being uh, its natural uh, affiliation with gambling, which uh, drives the sport on television. And number two, uh, the human characteristic of arrogance. How can a league, how can 32 separate entities acting as one become so arrogant that they want to put a salary cap on coaches, which would have transpired had they gotten relief from the Supreme Court? That is exactly right. That's what they were looking for. They would have put a salary scale in for the assistant coaches, a cap on all the coaches' pay. They could have done all of this and gotten away with it if they won the case. But here we have the most powerful, the most profitable enterprise in the history of sports. There's no question that they have had all of this success, and every now and then it pushes them over the edge into the kind of hubris and the kind of arrogance that allows them to think they can actually pull this off in the United States Supreme Court. That somehow, Chet, I, I've never quite understood this. Things that go wrong in other sports also go wrong in the NFL, but the NFL never seems to suffer for it. I, I've never understood that. There, there's some Teflon factor at work here. You know, my friend, uh, something must be wrong. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard Lawrence Taylor's name mentioned with any <laughs> transgression for at least 15 minutes. <laughs> Maybe he is under some sort of house arrest and he can't get outside. Something something will still go wrong. Uh, we still don't know what's going to happen in that case. He may have gotten lucky there with a witness who is going to say that she knows somehow there was no sex with the youngster. Maybe he was with this other woman instead. We don't know yet, but um, 
Lawrence Taylor will be in, he's in trouble now, and as, as you suggest, we'll hear more of him. But if there is a chance that uh, this lady who says there was no sex, if the prosecution looks at her and says, we're going to have a tough time beating her on the witness stand, even though we're, we're in concurrence of Taylor having exchanged money with the lady involved, thus becomes something of a John, if you're the prosecution, do you think to yourself, Maybe, just maybe, we drop this case. They would have to take a serious look at it. If there is this witness and she has any credibility at all, then they have to take a look at the entire picture. They have to have a good faith basis for proceeding with the case if they know that her testimony is totally adverse and they still proceed and they lose. Then Taylor has a case against them for what we call malicious prosecution. It's a case that he could win if this woman has conclusive evidence. Hey, Lester, uh, let me change gears for a moment. Uh, Let's be very hypothetical. You represent LeBron James. On July 1st, the doors come flying open. Um, You've got Cleveland, which, of course, can give you the extra year and a little bit more money, uh, which means you stay close to your mother, Gloria. You stay close to your homeboys. You're in a very comfortable environment. New York obviously wants to be a player. The Nets want to be a player. Suffice to say, the Bulls would uh, uh, would would eat their young to get uh, LeBron James from <laughs> Chicago. Donald Sterling and the LA Clippers would would love to have LeBron James. If you if you represented LeBron James, how how would you go about determining where this guy should really be? What would be your method of operation based on the way you've seen agents operate over the years? Assuming the agent has some commitment to LeBron James's welfare and not just the agent's welfare. That's a very uh, unlikely assumption. Yeah, I was but about let's, to say, let, Lester, please. <laughs> let's just assume we're thinking of it from LeBron's uh, point of view. Uh, you have to, He has to figure out and his management has to figure out where he would be happiest. Uh, Cleveland, obviously, is a contender. Uh, if you're a professional athlete, I don't know how you can dust off Miami without taking a serious mm-hmm. look at it. I think that you could take a look at the situation in New York and conclude very quickly there's no hope there, and you would be in New York. Does James really need that kind of scrutiny, that kind of attention, that kind of pressure? So to me, they're looking at Cleveland and Miami. The first thing you do, by the way, is get rid of the Clippers. Just take that off the blackboard. That that, that should not be there uh, for any reason. Lester, I would have no interest in uh, New York for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, the Dolan ownership of the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden. There are a lot of things LeBron James needs in life, but dealing with uh, uh, a spoiled brat punk like like Jimmy Dolan, the son of Charles Dolan, is not one of them. Number two, if if LeBron joins the Knicks, for example, and they open up the year with a record of uh, seven and nine, he's going to be creamed. On the back page of both the uh, the Post and the Daily News, LeBron James would not find comfort in New York. In my opinion, all he would find would be collective print misery. I, I would agree with that. I'm acquainted with the Dolan family. Twenty years ago, I worked on a story involving James Dolan's sister. She was a championship equestrian, got involved in a little scandal that I worked on. You don't want to be anywhere near James Dolan. If If, if LeBron James goes to New York... Uh, there has to be a change of ownership as part of the deal. I, th- that doesn't sound likely to me. If you look at Michael Jordan's success in Chicago, in a market of that size, where he was at home, where he wins the six championships, 
little problem there in the middle with the year and a half. But that, to me, is the model of what LeBron James wants to have, and, and he can do it in Cleveland. He can do it in Miami. He could probably do it here, although I'm not sure why he... I think probably maybe maybe he would look at the Bulls. I I don't know. I, it just seems so unlikely somehow. You know, Lester, the great uh, fallacy in all this is uh, you hear a lot of people say, "Well, he's either got to go to New York or go to L.A. because that's where the money is." Well, hello. Uh, it appears to me that both Eldrick Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan have done reasonably well, <laughs> having no affiliation whatsoever with either Hollywood or Madison Avenue. And LeBron James has the uh, stature to do exactly that. The, the money is going to be just about the same. We know the way the contracts work in the NBA. Whatever endorsement money he gets is not going to change in New York versus Cleveland or Miami. And and the money, he knows what the money is going to be. The question is, where does he want to be? Well, obviously, from an NBA standpoint, if you're, uh, if you're David Stern, the commissioner, this is reality. You want him in New York. You want him in the nation's number one market. Or maybe, do you want a resurrection in Chicago? I mean, if you're Stern, where do you want him? Stern would like either one of those. I cannot imagine that Stern would think that LeBron James in Miami is a good idea. Stern is totally a marketing guy. I know he started as an antitrust lawyer. He's become a marketing genius. He would love to have James either in New York or in Chicago. Stern has to know there's no hope for the Clippers, but um, to what extent can Stern do anything here? I'm not sure how he can influence. There must be something he can do. It'll be something that we're not going to know that he's doing, and maybe he can steer him in one direction. Uh, By the way, Lester, wasn't it roughly uh, one year ago at this time that uh, Mayor Daley was doing handsprings down Michigan Avenue and raising roughly uh, $60 bucks from the downtown private sector for that uh, wonderful Olympic bid we had over in Copenhagen? Can you believe that? Seventy million dollars. Uh, there's there's eight million dollars left over for children's sports. I feel real good about that. Um, and the only reason it's left over is they didn't have time to spend it. They got kicked out of the bidding so early. The uh, I, I feel bad for Pat I, R- Richie Daly was thinking in the most grandiose and unrealistic of terms. I feel bad for Pat Ryan. He is a genuinely good guy. He put his heart and soul into this effort. It was doomed from the start, we know now. I'm not sure I knew that then. I knew they would have problems. Then the United States Olympic Committee screws it up even harder for him. So it's, uh, that is a sad story. So somebody should be working on a long article about that. Maybe you know, the, uh, the irony is, Lester, if, uh, if we had won the bid for 2016, the, uh, the physical transformation of Chicago would be going on right now. I mean, uh, the, the banners would be up and the, the signs would be up and uh, you'd have a, a half a dozen statues already, uh, uh, already built uh, commemorating this, uh, this great opportunity and this great honor. Every time I drive either the uh, Kennedy inbound after 12 o'clock in the afternoon or drive the, uh, the Eisenhower period, I remind myself of what, in my opinion, would have been a massive debacle oh. had the Olympics wound up in Chicago. No. If the decision had been made in Copenhagen to come to Chicago in 2016, that whole area where Michael Reese Hospital 
was would now be under construction. Remember how they started renovating? Oh, Michael Reese Field? Hospital. You mean you mean the the bank where the where the dailies pull their money out on a regular <laughs> basis? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Michael Reese. That, that remember when they started rebuilding Soldier Field five minutes after the last game? Yeah. That's the way it would have started around Michael Reese. There would have been bulldozers and huge cranes and all the stuff going on, and then later on they would figure out who owned it and who was going to pay the rent and and what kind of condos there would be. But I can just see what they would have done. Uh, you, I wanted to ask you this question for for a while, and it perpetually uh, skips my mind. How much longer is Bud Selig going to serve as commissioner of Major League Baseball? The man is almost 80 years old. He's still sharp as a tack. He loves what he does. He still has his office in Milwaukee, which is his hometown. He still goes to that little drive-in restaurant every day for a hamburger and a milkshake. I mean, he's he's just about as Joe average as he can possibly be. But, Lester, honest to gosh... I, I, I think he either caves in an office, or you're going to have to get uh, uh, you're going to have to get a big pair of pliers and yank him out. He's got a couple of more years on his contract. He's making an awful lot of money. I don't think it makes any difference to him. He would do it for ten dollars an hour if he had to. He is he he might be happier in his job than anybody we can think of. He he you call him, you get a call back in fifteen minutes. How does he do that? I will never know. He must talk to a hundred people a day. I mean the the guy and he loves every minute of it. There's nothing Lester, that's gonna push he, him off. He is the only guy I know at that level where on various radio stations I have called on a Sunday night at six thirty and said, Commissioner, I hate to bother you, but would you be available in a half an hour and he'll go uh, well, we're we're just finishing dinner. Could you make it forty-five? <laughs> that, that's the I only mean, objection. I mean, I mean yeah. just the mere fact that he, yeah. that he isn't slamming the phone in your face right. is a miracle. No, he he is he is presiding over this complex enterprise. There are all these issues. It's the kind of thing that some people would lie awake at night over any one of them. He's got ten major issues, and he thrives on it. He he's he, he really is. A, a, a better commissioner probably than, than he gets credit for. I was going to ask you that. Uh, looking down the road, uh, it's very, very easy for people to take pot shots at Bud Selig. Um, and all I see when I see Bud are additional tiers of playoffs, better television deals, record revenues, expanding attendance, merchandising beyond Major League Baseball's wildest dreams. I maintain that eventually Bud Selig will go in the Hall of Fame. However, he will be deceased when he goes in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> because you have to be out of, you have to stop working for five years before they can let you, and he won't stop. <laughs> That's right. Imagine what he does, though. He gets a call from a guy like Jerry Reinsdorf. Ten minutes later, he gets a call from a guy like Jeff Lurie, the owner of the Florida Marlins, possibly the most obnoxious owner in all of sports. These And he's got to return these calls. He's got to keep these guys happy. He somehow has to have a consensus of the owners with him in all that he does. That There's a streak of genius in there somewhere in this guy. You want to know when I realized that, uh, that Bud Selig had some, had some impact on people? Going back to the uh, 94 and 95 ba- baseball labor stoppage, I remember talking to uh, Jerry Reinsdorf about when the damn thing was going to end, and he said, I'm not really concerned about it. Buddy will tell us when we're going to play again. (laughs) (laughs) I thought to myself, hold on. Here is the baddest cat in the valley saying, Buddy will tell us when we're going to play again? (laughs) Jerry Reinsdorf, as shrewd a guy as there is, he loves to be in charge, and he's going to wait for Bud Selig. That tells you something. Lester, look at the White Sox and where they are right now. And uh, you know what? If I'm Ozzie Guillen, um, I'm telling myself, if I, 
uh, it's time to shut up. And if I'm the Chicago White Sox, I'm telling Ozzy, Ozzy, we can live without the following. Quit talking about where Paul Canerco might be if he doesn't start hitting. Quit talking about where A.J. Brzezinski might be if he doesn't start hitting. You're, you know, we're, we're, we're not selling any tickets uh, with, your, with your method of operation. Lester, this team right now, in my opinion, is going to be in a box office shambles in August. I don't have any doubt about it. You can already see the trends developing. Um, maybe Ozzy should be considering where exactly in Venezuela he wants to be living <laughs> at, on September 1st. I'm sure he has a very nice house down there. He may want to look at a bigger house, the real classic ball player mansion somewhere outside Caracas with a big security wall. The, the uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe that should be he should be focusing on that and not on let's get AJ to hit. He is Lester Munson, the best of what he does in the business. Legal analyst, ESPN, I'm Chet Kopic. We thank our tech operator, Mr. Daniel Levy. This has been Sports Court, brought to you by the marvelous people at American Taxi. Remember, you people in the suburbs, when it comes to taxi service, courtesy, comfort, cooperation, and price, you just don't beat American Taxi. Take care. So long, everybody. <laughs>